Today's episode is sponsored by Relief Factor. Pain from everyday living, exercise, or just getting older is one of the leading causes of trips to the doctor and sleepless nights. It interferes with daily activities and can even keep us from spending time with the people we love. If you have everyday pain, it stands to reason you need something you can feel comfortable with taking every day. That's why doctors invented 100% drug-free Relief Factor. Now, tens of thousands of customers are using Relief Factor every day to become mostly or completely pain-free. 100% drug-free, Relief Factor features four key ingredients that each work on a different metabolic pathway to support your body's natural healing process to respond to pain and inflammation. Now, you can try Relief Factor 2. The three-week quick start retail price of almost $70 is now available to our listeners for just $19.95. What? That's fucking nuts. Head to the link in our show notes to find out more and start your journey to better health with less pain today with Relief Factor. Have either of you experienced any blackouts, blackouts, stretches of time you can't account for? Start date 06-16-2021. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Captain's Log. This is your Captain Speaking, Jose Valle Jr., joined virtually by my co-host and first officer, Mr. Mason Schrader. Mason, how are you? How you been? Have you had any visitations by the Greys yet? No. Okay. Well, in order of those questions, fine. Stop asking... And none of your business. Oh. So he called you back. Glipglorp called you back. Listen. Let's move on. (laughs) Well, today, you don't have to worry about visitors from out of this world, Mason. You just have to worry about visitors from beyond the veil. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Because today, we are taking our first look at one of the infamous cases covered by the equally infamous... Warrens, uh, as in Ed and Lorraine Warren, a case that is Don't sure they're even arguably more famous daughter Elizabeth. <laughs> very good, Senator Mason. Elizabeth. Very Warren, good. Now that's very good. Thank you for that. Who one. is that's not fighting good. demons? She's fighting injust- injustice, injustice, inequality, but like kind of. Yeah, fifty-fifty. Listen, she's doing more good than bad. Yes. Um, This is a case that is sure to be in the public eye as a film based on the events surrounding it just came out a couple of weeks ago. That's right, today we are talking about the inspiration behind The Devil Made Me Do It, The Possession. Into the Heights. (laughs) Right? Yeah, the infamous Warren case of Into the Heights where they were like, Ah, the round people. I don't know. I don't know, yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda's in it, so I'm guessing it's a musical. Yes, it is. I think they rap in it, too, because he loves to rap. Listen, what else would they do? 
Um, well, anyway, we're talking about the inspiration behind The Devil Made Me Do It, the possession of Arnie Johnson, um, which are you familiar with this at all, Mason? Aside well, from, seen, I think we've both seen the movie. Yes. So, yeah, I've well, seen the movie. I've seen the entirety of the movie. I've seen the important parts of the mm-hmm. movie. Um, it, um, I feel like I've definitely heard about it before. I don't know. We'll see. Well, maybe I didn't we'll get into yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So for those of you, uh, well, before we begin, there will be spoilers for the third installment in the Conjuring trilogy. So if you haven't seen the film yet and want to don't walk in, listen to the podcast not knowing entirely. Anything. Well, yeah. leave it. Take your headphones off, but let the episode play all the way through. Yes, because we need that, that would really help. That us would help out. us a lot. Um, but everybody else, though, that has seen it and is fine with knowing what it got completely wrong and the, and the, the real case behind Ooh. it, come with I us. Feel like you're going to come in hot today, aren't you? <laughs> yes. I don't, think, I don't know. I think you're going to I think you're going to be aggressive towards this film. Uh, nah, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, everybody else, though, come with us as we travel to the distant year of 1980. We can dance if we want to. We can hand Because if friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine. The story of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson and his defense team's claim of not guilty by means of demonic possession begins with an 11-year-old boy named David Glatzel. It began when, and I actually think he was, most people called him a Cheyenne instead of Arnie, so that's, but I changed it to Arnie so you wouldn't be confused, Mason. I appreciate that. I don't know. I think I would have yeah. figured that out. No, you would have. You would have thought I was Cheyenne, talking about your girlfriend like, in, a, in a demon why murder. Why didn't you case. tell me? Jose's <laughs> got a whole podcast worth of information about things you've never told me in our entire six-year relationship. You think and I would? You think that's? And then she happened? just would have gone like, huh? She would have been like, I have work. Could yeah. you stop? And then I'd be like, God. Well, anyway, so it began when the Glatzel family moved into a new rental home in the town of Brookfield, Connecticut. Was it in Connecticut in the mm-hmm. movie? I don't mean to already be yes. like, what the fuck? Yes, it was. I feel, I but it's it was very in the south. It seemed like it was right, but that's yeah. yeah. But it but it was also in Connecticut. They were just very like eh, about yeah, the like map. Tennessee. Yeah, I don't know. Let's move yeah. on. Um, the family was accompanied by 19-year-old Arnie Johnson. The then boyfriend, or according to some sources, uh, fiance at this point, I wasn't sure on whether or not they were already engaged, uh, of Debbie Glatzel, the oldest of the Glatzel children. I think she was just trying to get rid of her last name. I, I, don't, I don't like it. Glatzel's not good. Not a good last name. Sorry to the family, but it's not a good last name. Um, so he accompanied them as they went to clean the new rental property. David, the Glatzel's youngest, who, uh, again, was 11 years old, in case you've already forgotten, uh, he would claim that an old man appeared, pushing and terrifying him. Debbie and Arnie, at Dude, first thought... Dick, get the... Get, get, come on, come here. Get, get shoved. Get fucking shoved, you come over my You're looking at you, little bitch. Just fucking... Yeah. <laughs> oh, why are you in her new house? Shut the fuck up and get out of here. I want stop, some stop little... Jesus. And that's when that that was the first time that demon came to the more to earth was in the 80s. Was it? Is that is that canon? I don't know. We'll see. We will decide. Is that LCD canon? (laughs) We will we will decide. Um, maybe he shows up later, but maybe that's his, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'm a, I'm a little afraid Here's, he's already showing 
showed up before this because I'm pretty sure oh, his he first has. episode, which was the exorcism in Iowa, You're right. was well before the 80s. Sorry. He showed up, but he had a mullet. That's the key difference here. He just he showed up, but he like had a mullet. Yeah. The weird flat sunglasses yeah. and, yeah. and a and a and a and and, and shoulder a bright pad. yeah like a bright yeah, a suit jack blazer yeah. Um. So and I th- I believe that the movie did get this right. I think it did occur while he was on a waterbed that he first encountered. <laughs> they did. The, they did I think get they did that get right. that right. And I yeah. thought that was a weird a mm-hmm. weird like little thing they had in there that I'm like, is this a waterbed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's such an 80s, it was the 80s thing to be haunted. Well, that's the thing, like, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Debbie and Arnie at first thought that David was simply making these claims to get out of contributing and helping with the housework. You know, classic 11-year-old shit where you're like, oh my god, a demon's fiddling me, <laughs> so now I don't have to clean the house. One time when moving, I, um, I rolled my ankle and I thought I fucking broke it. Mm-hmm. And I was lying in the curb of the street. Um... <laughs> unable to fucking walk and my brother was like i thought you were just faking it because you didn't want to move anymore i'm like you think i laid down in the fucking gutter because i didn't want to walk anymore don't move you fuck face seems like something you would do mason it happens happens. you know people keep saying i'm the type of person who would fake i have like and several times in my life been accused been like oh we just thought you were faking that injury to get out of doing something i'm like i don't fucking do that i've never done that and they're like it seems like something you seems do. Like, okay, would do assholes. <laughs> I don't know why this keeps happening to me, but I don't like it. So, David was adamant, however, and informed them that the old man had promised that he would harm the Glatzel family if they moved in. <laughs> David would then... Hey, you little shit, if your family yeah. fucking gets up here, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you, you oh. hear me? I don't know why you chose me. I don't have a lot of say. Hey, you fucking... <laughs> shit, oh, stop pushing <laughs> Stop shoving me. I'm only the child. You should really call my mother. No, you are going to convince the whole family. The 11-year-old boy. This I know what I'm doing. All right, get the fuck out of here. You don't seem like you're a good demon. I mean, like, good at being a demon. <laughs> demon you're just... obviously a bad demon. What the fuck? What are you, what are you trying just... to say with that? What the f- I'm doing my best. What? I just feel like if you... I just, if you don't what, you been talking to my man? father? You've been talking to my father, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I don't know your dad, Mr. D. Oh, no. Hey. Oh, I'm going to no. kill your family, you asshole. I'm real scared of you. Is that, is that better? I'm real scared. Don't patronize Just me, kid. Stop crying, please. It's really bumming me out. You want to get some Little Caesars then or what? I, does that exist in the 80s? If it doesn't, we're, we're going we're gonna to start it. Well, the canon for me is all over the place, kid. I don't know. I don't know. So, like a, like a very poorly identified character that keeps me. You seem like a bully, bully. Shut the fuck up. Look, oh, now I'm gonna give you a wedgie. Shut up, bitch. Get out of here. Oh my boy. <laughs> so David would then begin to have visions of the old man, who would appear to him as a demonic beast who would utter Latin phrases at him and threaten to steal his soul. Again, uh, like, anus. I was just going to say, like, I like the idea of, like, Latin phrases. Like, he's just like, Vene Venedici or whatever. The, the one girl, like, white girl one that's like, I came, I saw, I conquered. You know what I mean? <laughs> In rescue, de patchy dick face. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Rome wasn't built in a day. Hey, that's not in Latin. Oh, it's fuck. Yeah, you're Latin. right. Um, well, yeah. uh, How about suckers in my dickers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got him again. So the family would later recall hearing strange noises occasionally coming from the attic, but no one but David would actually see the old man. The encounters between David and this old man would become more frequent and more violent in nature. David would wake up in the middle of the night crying hysterically and describing a man with black eyes, a thin face with jagged teeth, pointed ears, horns, and hoofs. The family would call upon the Catholic Church requesting the services of various different priests to bless the house, but all to no avail. And this is where the infamous demonologist couple Ed and Lorraine Warren come in. Just like, bam, like a rock sting. Bam, they're pulling up in like a fucking Mustang. Just, Ed Warren's got sunglasses on and he's like, window comes down and he's like, I heard you were in need of a demonologist. And then he opens the door and he fucking, he's like. <laughs> yeah, he's got a cane. Because he's fat God and he has to he's roll got, out of it. Every time I see a picture of Ed, I, I will, full disclaimer right now, I will say this. I love Ed and Lorraine Warren in the movies. I think they're very fun. I really, really like them. You mean you love those characters? That I love those fake characters of Ed and Lorraine Warren yeah. from the Conjuring franchise as played by Patrick Wilson and Vera, uh, what, what's her name? Vera Farmiga? Vera Farmigo? Yeah. For, for Farmiga or something like that? Anyway, but the real Ed and Lorraine Warren, I'm 50-50 on them. But I will say this. Every time I see pictures of Ed Warren, it always throws me because he had a weird neck. Um, yeah, have you ever seen pictures of him? I'll throw one up here yeah. for the video watchers, but he's, he's got like got, a weird neck roll situation. He's got a muffin top, but at the top but of But at the collar. top of... <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, the family, feeling frustrated that nothing was being done, called on the services of the Warrens to help them rid their son of this terrible plague. He experienced strangling attempts by invisible hands which he tried to pull from his neck, and powerful force it would flop him rapidly, head to toe like a rag doll. Okay, but that first one description, though, is like a, every kid I've ever seen have a meltdown at Walmart or a restaurant. Just, That? No, no, like kicking and biting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, fuck you, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, every mm. kid, yeah. At this time, Johnson, uh, Arnie Johnson, began to stay with the Glatzel family, wishing to help as much as he could. He was just trying to fuck. Yeah, well. Right. But it seems the child's nightly terrors began to bleed into the daytime as well. David would describe seeing... An old man with a white beard dressed in a flannel shirt and jeans. That's just Santa Claus on the off season, I think. That's just, I mean, that's every old white man I've ever seen. I think I saw like three of them when we went to the bar that when I visited here to you in Iowa. That's every single old white man in Iowa. <laughs> there's, there's so many of them. So, uh, he would go on to start hissing, having seizures, and speaking in strange voices, quoting from the Bible and... John Milton's Paradise Lost. After meeting with the family and learning as much as they could about the case, the Warrens would conclude that this was clearly a case of demonic possession. However, psychiatrists who had investigated the case claimed that David was merely suffering from a learning disability. Those are those are the two most polar opposite right. fucking things I could But even... also... A learning disability? 
Like, well, like that's an extreme. Is this just like a weird like '80s? They didn't understand. I think that's that's what I right? that's the way I like sat with it. I was like, well, they must have just been like, well, we don't really know. Because that's got to be like extreme that, schizophrenia. Right, right. I'm like, you that can't I mean? be. If it's not, if again, like if it's not demons and, and whatever, then it's got to be that. Like it can't be. It. Oh, oh he doesn't just, know how to count. He's like, dyslexic. <laughs> yeah, he's dyslexic. Every, he's been trying to say Santa this whole time. It just sounds like <laughs> Satan because he doesn't know how to spell. And his parents are just like, where'd you get your degree again? Uh, Oxford uh, Ghost Institute. To two in well, to be fair, Alabama. Though, also, like, where did you get your degree from, Ed? <laughs> Oxford Ghost Institute. <laughs> um, actually, no, he's like, well, miss, actually, that's a great question. I'm really happy you asked. I actually went to a prestigious university called the Oxford Paranormal Society. Oh, that's right. That's what it was oh, called. so impressive. The other guy went to fucking some dumb hillbilly school. And he's like, no, well, not me. I didn't. <laughs> And you you said you went to the Vatican? No. I went to it, uh, I was, Little Italy I, in New York. I've been there. Which is kind of the same thing. I've been to Pizza Paul's Popery in Las Vegas, where a man dressed as a pope fed me six slices <laughs> of pizza. All right. I'll tell you what, the only thing haunted in that hotel room was the bathroom, if you know what I'm saying. Whew. A ghost came out of my ass, ma'am. You know, it is really hard to slander them because I picture Patrick uh, Wilson. Yeah. And I'm like, no, because he's so wholesome. Because he's nice so wholesome and, and charismatic. That's what I'm saying is I love the the movie Warrens. I'm like, yes. they showed up and they tell me I'm possessed. I'm like, fuck, you know what? Maybe I am. When when Patrick Wilson says like, says like, I'm a man of faith and these are my convictions, I'm like, oh. He's a man a of point. faith. But then I see the real Those ones. Those are his and convictions. I'm like, I'm like, fuck this fucking piece <laughs> of shit with his lying bullshit for money. No, I don't yeah. give a shit about and, you. Uh, and we'll, I, maybe we'll have a little discussion on the Warrens at the end. We'll see. Yeah, um, well, yeah. After their conclusion of demonic possession, the Warrens would assist in three lesser exorcisms, which I do want to take a second and explain what this means, because I was also confused on it, and I had to consult the church canon. I went down to my local parish and I was like, hey, what's this? And the priest was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I don't know, Jose. That sounds like some made up bullshit. I'm Jose, a priest. I'm a priest. A I gotta hunter. fucking bless this bread or something. I don't know. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Listen, I'm just trying to fuck these nuns. You know what I'm saying? Woo. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Back it up. What did you say there? So, first things first. This explanation is for exorcisms in the Christian faith, specifically with the Catholic Church, as exorcisms are uh, not a specifically Christian creation or practice, which I didn't know. This is very interesting. I didn't know that either, yeah. But they're actually, I I believe, uh, Buddhist, uh, Hindus, and Islam, uh, Muslims also believe or or practice uh, exorcisms, but they, they vary. They all exercise, Jose. That is true. Anybody oh, I misread that then. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, there is a distinction within the Catholic Church on exorcisms. There is the formal exorcism, which can only be done by a priest during baptism or with approval of a bishop at any other time. Wait, a, a, a formal exorcism can only be done during a baptism? During a baptism, when someone, like, and that could be, like, as well, a child. You can, be, you can be baptized as many times as you want, right? Um, no, you can only be baptized once within the Catholic uh, Church. Most people are okay. baptized as a kid, but if you're a convert later on, 
you can be baptized as a full-grown adult. Right. Okay. Well, I just didn't realize and I, that you could I, only be formally exercised. Mm-hmm. And I don't know this because I'm not the most well-versed Catholic, but I believe that what they mean by at baptism, it means that I know that baptism is supposed to be purging you of like previous sin or whatever. And I imagine that that's what they mean by like that they're exercising any sort of bad thing from you. Okay. Anyway, okay. That that's a whole sense. theological yeah, okay. thing. That, that but sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they can do it at any other time with the approval of a bishop, which is what we see like in the Conjuring movies and, and the, Exorcist the Exorcist movies, stuff like that. This is referred to as a major exorcism with the ritual instructions given in Section 11 of the Rituale Romanum. These instructions give guidelines on how to conduct the exorcism and when an exorcism is actually required. Priests are also instructed to carefully determine that the nature of the affliction is not actually a psychological or physical illness before proceeding. That's why in real life, not the movie universe, there's not as many exorcisms happening as you would think. You know, people will be like, my family member is possessed. And the Catholic Church will be like, first go get a psychiatrist to check them out. And if they, you know what I mean, like based on, make sure so that they don't have like, they got food poisoning the, or something. You know what the, I mean? Are the... um. Are the, the are the priests are they qualified to deem whether or not someone needs an exorcist then? Yes, or the, does the, this actual yeah. psychiatrist have to be like, no, this is a, you know what I mean? Yeah, are they, are they able to diagnose like mental issues then? I guess well, to an extent, not like officially. I'm, yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, exactly to an extent, and and you know it dep- The thing is, the seminaries they do they do teach them things besides just the theology at the church. So right, I'm assuming yeah. that to a very basic, limited knowledge I that they think. can be like, I, but from my understanding of it, what I've been told um, throughout my life of being a Catholic is that they, the, the church doesn't just jump on, this needs to be, there's an exorcism that needs to be conducted here. It's almost right. like they hardly ever do it. And it's more like they're a last prone, resort. They're more prone to not do an exorcism. Yes. Especially because the ones that have happened then get involved in legal battles and, and disputes like that. So I think the church mostly does it now to protect themselves more than anything, to be right. like, we're not going to jump and say that this needs an exorcism. I just think that if the podcasting thing doesn't work out, you and I would make a really good exorcism team, yeah, right? That's what we got to fill the hole that was left when the Warrens passed away. We got to yes. be the new demonologist. And you and I would come in and we yeah. would do such a good cop, bad cop with yeah, demons. Yeah, demon. But it's not what you'd think because no. you would be the bad cop and I would be the yeah. good cop. Because I'm like, hey, listen, demon, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I'm a sinner. All right. I get it. And then he'd be like, well, and I'm coming in with my, does it. I'm coming in with my special issue uh, Bible and I'm like, get the fuck out of him, you son of a bitch. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Take a walk. Listen. <sighs> If you just get out of the kid, all right, everything's going to work out. We can, I'm sure we can find you a nice man who's almost going to die anyway. I'll tell you what. You I'll send you to hell, hell, demon. Whoa, get the whoa, hell out of here. Jose, Jose, relax. You jump into an old man. I'm you trying just to keep fight the kid. <laughs> I'll beat the fuck out of I'll beat the demon out of him. I'll beat him just out of him. Seriously, you're just punching a 10-year-old. <laughs> Jose, no, stop. We are, we're going to go to jail if you don't stop. So, but then a lesser exorcism, like the ones mentioned here, uh, most likely refers to prayers of deliverance, which can be performed by anyone. And it is just exactly right. what it sounds like, where you're saying, like, you know, like, you're asking for help, kind of. Um, right, which but it is would, 
which is important to, to mention that Ed Warren or Lorraine, either mm-hmm. neither of them were ordained priests. No, I believe and they say that I've in heard, the movies. Yeah, I've heard, and I don't know. I, I, I should have done research into this. I've heard that that he was. Reco- There's some people out there that say that he was recognized by the Catholic Church as the only individual besides them who could perform an exorcism, but I don't know if that's true, so I would uh, yeah. take I that mean, with a grain of they salt. Do, they make a real point to, to talk about it in the movies, too, mm-hmm. that he is he's not qualified. They did work closely with the church. Uh, yes, especially on cases like this, they like had a good very relations. Well yeah, um, you know, outside opinion, mm-hmm. but he was yeah he was not qualified to do mm-hmm. a full on exorcism. Right. But I mean, we do see that in in the Conjuring Three. Right. They start off with him doing almost an exorcism, which would have been the lesser exorcism. Yeah, it doesn't go well, and then they <clears throat> yeah. call in an actual priest, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and I just wanted to to so that we kind of know what that means because I was like, no, that's interesting. That's what is a lesser yeah. exorcism anyway? So. The Warrens claim that over the three major exorcisms that then occurred afterwards that were actually overseen by priests, David would go on to levitate, curse, and even stop breathing. But the most... That's not that hard. I can stop breathing whenever I want. (laughs) What? How do you do it? Mason, no. (laughs) See? I just did it. It's not... And then you start levitating. Well, that would be... That'd be good. God, I fucking would love that. It would be uh, super cool, actually. I would be totally cool I would, even if, I've always said this, that even if I could just levitate, like, three inches off the ground, I would fucking love it because it would just freak people out. Like, I would just be oh, like... I was just talking about being possessed by a demon. And I'd be like, what's up now? And they're like... You. What you are you, are. How are you doing that? six inches off the ground, you're up. And it's... Honestly, it's impressive, but also kind of stupid. It's kind of stupid. What are you going to do with that, Jose? Uh, I'm just going to get places faster. You know what? I would I honestly, glide, if you levitated so. in front of me, you know what my first reaction would be mm-hmm. is to push you as hard as I can because I want to see if you can still fall over while levitating. You know what I mean? I want to see what your yeah, balance, yeah, what, like yeah, a yeah. levitating person's it, balance. Is I just like. fucking fall hard, like, very hard. <laughs> like what are the physics of someone? You know what I mean? Of yeah, I, I imagine you got to be able to fall really easily if you're levitating, right? I don't know. I don't know. Or do you just move? Do you just float backwards? Whoa! <laughs> just tumbling it's like, like zero in space. G and yeah. You just don't stop. I'm like, no, Mason. Now I, I'm holding onto your ceiling. I'm like, help! Get me down. I don't know how to get down. Uh, the Warrens. Uh, so they they claim that this happened, right? Um, but the most important part of their claims is that David would go on to predict or prophesize the murder that would occur by the hands of Arnie Johnson. Tom Brady is going to go to the Bucks and win a Super Bowl. And Ed Warren splashes him with, Blasphemy! Blasphemy! Tom would never ah, spit a Belichick. Ah. He's a system quarterback. No, just watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So he predicted the real murder that happened. Yeah, so uh, I don't know exactly what it was that he said, um, but I guess that in, in that case he pre- predicted that that a tragedy would happen and that, that a murder would happen by Arnie's hands. Um, so then in October of 1980, Lorraine Warren. Can I ask, did, yeah. did Ed have a heart attack? No, I, I didn't see anything that said that he had a heart attack then. I know that he did suffer a heart attack at some point, but I don't okay. think it was while at this in this case. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So in October of 1980, Lorraine Warren, who, for those of you who don't know, claimed to be clairvoyant would contact the Brookfield Police Department and warn them that the situation was only becoming more dangerous and something bad and sinister was going to occur soon. So she did do this. She did call the cops beforehand and was like, yeah, I've got to be on the lookout because something bad's going to happen. 
whether or not she was just saying that, you know, but. Well, that yeah. certainly adds a mm-hmm. piece a, to a this, sliv- for sure. Yeah, yeah. So according to eyewitness testimony by the Warrens, Debbie Glatzel, and other members of the Glatzel family, Arnie would go on to coerce one of the demons within David, as Lorraine had estimated that there could be up to 40 demons possessing the boy, to possess him during one of the exorcisms. He would tell it, Take me on, leave my little... It doesn't really work. Take me on, leave my little buddy alone, which also... It's an exorcism, and you're being like, leave my little it's boy the 80s, alone. And they live in Connecticut. I don't know. Report. <laughs> <laughs> leave him alone, you son of a bitch. And he's slapping the shit out of the kid. Get out of him. They're like, Arnie, Arnie, no. You are still hitting an 11-year-old. Stop. You're Big not hitting the actual bitch. demon. He's not my little buddy anymore. He's a devil. <laughs> Reportedly, a few days after this incident, Johnson claimed to have been viciously attacked by the demon while driving his truck causing him to crash into a tree. Johnson was unharmed. However, after this, he returned to the rental property and visited an old well that reportedly housed the demon, as this was where David had claimed to have first encountered the entity he described as an old man. I don't, this is, this is, uh, I will say this. I'm confused on this, right? Because some, a lot of sources had this old well part of it. And that this right. is where he first encountered the old man. But then other sources said that the waterbed was where he first uh, mm-hmm. had, like, an interaction with this force. Well, and if there was the up first... to 40 demons, I wonder <clears throat> if oh, this like is maybe maybe like, this is where he specifically. The waterbed demon and there was yeah, the well yeah, demon. Yeah, well, no, I genuinely, the I wonder if. The demon. Yeah. There was the lamp demon. There was that one popsicle demon, but he ate him, which it's like, did that mean he got possessed? That's how he got possessed. Or did that destroy the popsicle demon because that was his vessel? Well, Mr. Warren, you are the expert. You tell us. I'm just asking questions here. (laughs) Yeah, so I would be Ed, right? And you'd be Lorraine because I would just be like, let's fucking fight this fucking demon. And it's like, you're just like, like, you can't punch it. I'm like, yeah, the fuck I can. Yeah, yeah, we would. There's like, a there's a poster the idea for you. It's you and me as Ed and just our faces on their yeah. bodies. Yeah. I'm just imagining you're just sitting there with your like heads and your fingers. And yeah. Like, uh, 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 uh. I'm recreating. No, well, haven't you seen the movies? I'd be recreating stabbing someone like she does. In that oh, scene. that's right. Yes. <clears throat> um. So. Reportedly, Arnie saw the demon in the well, who then fully possessed him until after the murder. The Warrens claimed they had warned Arnie against uh, doing so, against going to the well, but he ignored their warnings. As David's condition worsened, Debbie and Arnie decided it was time for them to move out and got their place, their own place, in Brookfield. Hey, Debbie, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, I don't think your brother's going to get better. (laughs) I just don't. Well, it seems like a bad time to leave because yeah, so but like I'm gonna be honest with you. I just don't really. Oh, watch out for your microphone there, Arnie. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you, Debbie. Yeah. I just don't think we're gonna get a chance to fuck with your little brother fucking crawling up and down the walls all the time. I'm gonna be honest. It's kind of hard to be in the mood when there is a demon child running around. Really? Because that makes me more in the mood. I don't know. Maybe that's okay. No, hey, hey, that's all right. Um, you're just my wife, and it's the 80s, so you gotta do what I say. Sorry, I, I don't, mm, oh, so. Oh, okay. I'm that guy, yeah. 
Oh, oh Arnie, oh, no. <laughs> so, um, they decided it was time for them to move out, and they got their own place in Brookfield. Debbie had recently been hired by 40-year-old Alan Bono, a resident uh, who was new to the town, um, as a dog groomer, and the couple found a place near Debbie's job. Uh, I will admit that I'm confused on this detail, as some sources claim Bono was Debbie and Arnie's landlord, while others don't bring this detail up at all. So, he could have oh, been their okay. landlord and also her boss. I in the movie, that's what it was. Yeah, in the movie, they because lived they lived. Above but the that's thing. but but I guess yeah. in real life that wasn't the case. They lived close to it. But I wonder if he still was the well, landlord. Well, that's what I was saying. Is yeah, I'm guessing. I yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. They do I'm change his name in the movie to Bruno Sauls, I believe, who's not a real person. He's based on Alan Bono. Well, that's because being like Bono is would be confusing, because you know. Well, yeah, the yes, guy. that's who I kept thinking I as I was if, writing. But also, yeah. I think they changed it because he was a real man who got killed. And so yeah. they were like, maybe let's change his name. Um, well, anyway. Potato, uh, potato. Potato, potato. After moving in, Arnie would begin to exhibit strange behavior that was very similar to David's. This would cause Debbie to fear that Arnie had become possessed as well. You just, can you just imagine his head doing 360s and she's just like... Oh, I'm starting to worry you're also maybe possessed. <laughs> just fucking oh, spitting no. bile and shit everywhere. She's I'm like, I'm going to hmm. give this a few days to think about, though, because. Or maybe, I mean, I don't know. Then again, also, it's like I would be like, oh, no, I don't know what to do. I, I guess well, yeah. I'm going to go to I assume bed. That, that it was like the beginning behaviors where, like, well, well, yeah, he was having nightmares like, and waking up and full-on yeah no i would be like who do like, i go to for, I, well i guess i would more likely i don't know i don't know I i'm don't just know. gonna be like i'm gonna go to bed do you are you staying up <laughs> oh cool okay i'm turn the tv I, off um i'm just gonna go to bed if you need if there's there's almond milk in the fridge if you need any i'm just gonna okay all right i'm just gonna Lock that. Okay, you stay out there tonight. <laughs> so, <All right. laughs> according to Debbie, uh, Arnie would fall into a trance-like state where he would growl deeply and hallucinate, but then have no recollection of any of it happening. Hey, man, I mean, that's just, just me on a Saturday it. night. I think he's just... You got a couple drinks in me, I'm like... And then I wake up the next day, I'm like, I don't know what happened. Well, actually, actually, more accurately, <laughs> the next morning after drinking, I'm more just like... Uh, yeah, people ask me things, and I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, I can't even. I was just thinking about like what would be like. Somehow, I want to eat an entire breakfast platter, but also like that's gonna make me feel worse. Yeah. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think you're possessed. I do. I listen. I've got a few demons. <laughs> I've got a breakfast demon. I've got a gin demon. I've, I've got a few got demons and. uh Mostly just those two. Or just mostly just a breakfast and a gin demon. It's like, what if you made like six eggs and, and then like mixed a bunch of cheese into it and then ate it? I'm like, I shouldn't do that because it's six uh, eggs. Like, come on, do it, eggs. do it, do it, do it. And then the other one's like, oh, so you could have like a gin and tonic while you while you eat your eggs. And, and like, like, that seems like my heart won't be able to handle that. And it's like, that's oh, good cholesterol. And it's like, that doesn't exist. <laughs> anyway. Man, I want to meet your demons. They sound like fun guys. Ah, it's just me. I think I'm fully possessed of them. They're just my personality. (laughs) 
So Arnie worked as a tree surgeon with Right Tree mm. Service. I'm going to give you pushback on that shitty fucking title. You don't get to be called. You call yourself I, it's that. funny that they're, they're called tree surgeons. You're no, chopping down trees. No, don't get trees. to call themselves that. No. Fuck you. No, no. You don't get to call yourself a tree surgeon because you cut branches off of trees. You're a fucking tree guy. You're, You're a tree, tree groomer, if anything. You get to be all upgrade you to groomer when you stop being an asshole and calling yourself a fucking surgeon. That's annoying. <laughs> I don't go around being like, I'm a fucking artist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't fucking do that because that's a douchey thing to do. Don't go around saying you're a tree surgeon. You cut branches an, off of trees. It's not fucking surgery. I'm an audio specialist. Yeah. It's not exactly brain surgery, no. is it? I'm a, I'm a podcast surgery. surgeon. I'm a story surgeon. <laughs> yeah, I just, I really cut them. Really just fucking, and then cut to him. It's off, I got it. Let's move on to the next yeah. one. So he would call in sick on February 16, 1981, uh, which, for those of you who watch the movie, differs because in the movie he is sick at work. He just, I guess, didn't show. He called in sick that day and didn't go. He didn't almost kill anybody with a chainsaw. By all accounts, that didn't happen. But also, if you haven't seen the movie and you're confused by that, he didn't attack someone with a chainsaw. The he chainsaw. Dropped the he chainsaw dropped it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he was a demon. A demon, demon boy. Uh, he joined Debbie at the kennel along with his sisters Wanda and Janice and Debbie's nine-year-old cousin Mary. So Wanda was 15 and Janice was 13 um, and Mary was nine. Uh, Bono insisted on taking the group out for lunch at a local bar where he proceeded to drink heavily. Afterwards, the group returned to the kennel and had a pretty uneventful afternoon. At some point, Debbie took the girls for pizza, and Arnie and Bono stayed behind drinking and chatting. It is reported that the two were friendly with one another and never seemed to have any indication of contention against the other. Debbie was suddenly seized with a feeling of dread and that they needed to return. So, when the girls returned, Bono was incredibly intoxicated and had become agitated as Debbie insisted to Arnie that they take the girls home. At this point, Bono grabbed the youngest of the girls, Mary, and refused to let her go. Arnie returned from the car and ordered Bono to let the girl go, but Bono would not budge as Mary tried to pull away from him. At this point, an argument broke out and Mary slipped free and ran for the car. So this is just, <clears throat> this is, Bono's behavior is just what I can only describe in the 80s as fun uncle. He's giving off like fun uncle vibes where it's like, I'm going to drink and then I'm going to, everybody's getting food and then, and then it gets weird and you oh, go home yes. and everyone's just like, where just at the like end, fun uncle Bono where like he gets weird. Yeah, he's like, fun. Oh, okay. And then, and then at the end he's like, come sit on my lap. And you're like, I don't want to sit on your lap. Oh, What's... did you think, was this a molesty thing? I thought he was just like, no, we're having fun. Nobody's leaving. Uh, I don't know. I took it more I as, know. I don't know. I don't know if it was a molesty thing. I just took it as like. For me, it does remind me of some of my uncles where they start the evening kind of fun and loose or whatever, and then yeah. by the end of it, they're like, fuck you! You're not getting yeah, out of here! No! Any, Nobody's any, leaving! And they're like... Like, alcoholic. Like, yeah, then yeah. it's like... Mm-hmm. like Just sad, like, a sad I don't want the fun times to end, yeah. so I have well, to continue what was happening yeah. in the fun times, not realizing the difference is you're much more shit-faced than you were when it was yeah. the fun times. Right. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, so... Uh, At this point, an argument broke out, and Mary slipped free and ran for the car. Wanda then proceeded to try to pull Arnie back. She says that he was like a stone and that she couldn't budge him. As Debbie stepped in between the two men to try to mitigate things, uh, Wanda could hear Arnie growling like an animal. 
and at around 6.30 p.m., Arnie drew a five-inch pocket knife and pointed it at Bono. <laughs> it's still very funny that I'm saying Bono because I know it's it's Alan Bono, but I keep thinking of Bono I from U2. I can only picture Bono with his little, little sunglasses. <laughs> what happened next, according to Debbie and Wanda, was a flash. Bono was stabbed multiple times in the chest and stomach. According to Johnson's lawyer, Bono had suffered four or five tremendous wounds, mostly to his chest, and one that stretched from his, from his stomach to the base of his heart. Arnie then proceeded to walk into the woods while staring straight ahead as Bono stood there punching his palm for a long moment before falling face first into the ground. Punching his leg? Like he was kind of like... Yeah, like he just kind of oh, did okay. that for like a moment, and then he just like, and like, yeah. I don't know. It must have been like a pain thing, I imagine. Um, and apparently, I, I guess, say. I also read, I don't know if I included it in here. I also read that the um, the cuts seem to be half crescent moon shaped, almost all of them. Or sorry, not half crescent moon, crescent moon shaped. Which also just sounds like it could have been the stabbing pattern well, yeah, of just like that, say, that, but just sounds like I don't know. This just sounds like how you, you get stabbed. Um, what were you gonna say though? I think I cut you off. I just think I don't know. I, so I haven't heard this story of the the real life story, and mm-hmm. it's a lot more like Arnie just fucking stabbed a dude. Yeah. You well, know what I mean, but it, again, it seems it's honestly and. It's, much I th- less believable that it was a demon based on the surrounding events. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I get that. But I also don't think that Bono was quite so fun, Uncle. It seemed like he was really intoxicated, and yeah, I understand that uh, intoxication like definitely led of shit. Yeah, the to fun it. Uncle thing was just a joke. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it sounds like he was being a real piece of shit. But no, I agree though. It does kind of just it. the movie sh- certainly makes it seem a lot more like. Not yeah. to mention, I mean, this is just okay. So this is all just me being uh, guessing, but we don't also know what they talked about while they were gone, while the girls were gone. Uh huh. Yeah. What if he said something fucking weird and then he was just, you know, I don't know. I yeah. Mean, and we'll get we'll get to that because there's a little bit of that I'm in a, here in a second. I feel like I'm the type of guy that if I were to stab someone, people would be like, I didn't think Mason would ever stab somebody. Mm-hmm. But also, it's like I think I'm gonna stab somebody a lot. So like. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. that's just how it happens sometimes. Yeah. So it seems that the movie did get this next part right as Arnie was discovered walking on the side of the road two miles away, seemingly in a haze, and when he was stopped, he simply said, I think I hurt someone, uh, which is exactly what he says in the movie. This would be the first reported killing in the 193-year history of Brookfield, Connecticut. The police seemingly did not think much of the killing, believing that the incident had occurred either over an argument about Debbie or just as police chief John Anderson deemed it. Not an unusual crime. Somebody got angry. An argument resulted. And you know, a little bit of the stabby, stabby, daddy, daddy resulted from the argument. Yeah, I like how very kind of nonchalant he is about this. I don't know people got mad and they fucking killed somebody. I don't... Listen, listen, listen. If I had a nickel for every time I had to cover up a police officer murdering his bitch wife, I'd have enough nickels to hire a new fucking police officer that didn't stab his bitch wife. You know what I'm saying? Sorry, so, sorry. Uh, mm, Chief, yes, could you, you repeat you that with again? The fedora and the little press slip in your Thank fedora? You. What? Um, yes, what? Could you repeat that again? Did you say you covered up crimes for I cops? I said 
I simply said that if I had a nickel for every time that I saw an officer stab his bitch wife and then we had to cover up that bitch wife because of an argument, I'd have enough nickels to hire an officer who didn't have a bitch wife. Any other questions? Oh, boy. Um, no. Yes? I think no. just a cab. Okay. I think is what we're going to say to that. Oh. <laughs> well, that hurts my feelings. <laughs> I don't a, like that. A day after the Why murder. Why would you say that to me? I don't understand what all did this I do? hate. All I did was say that I covered up. Okay, yeah, you get it. A day after the murder, Lorraine Warren informed the Brookfield PD that Arnie was possessed during the killing. A media blitz soon surrounded the case, fueled in part, some say, by the Warrens, whose agents promised that lectures, a book, and even a movie were in the works. Martin uh, Manella, Arnie's lawyer, would receive calls from all over the world uh, over what had now been deemed the demon murder case. So, so his, so their agent really did. I mean, see, that's one of the one thing that bothers me about the Lawrence already. Yeah, is that they fucking have an agent. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. It's like. And I, yes. some people are going to be like, "Well, they had to make a living." It's like, yeah, which is did, yes, understandable, but, but I don't know. Because, because then, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a little suspect. It is a little sus that almost immediately their agents like we got a we got a lectures we got a book and a movie don't even fucking worry about it. He's hey, like maybe wait a year, bud. Lorraine, call call him, call him and say that it was a demon. Call him, yeah, do it. Hel- yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, yeah, do this it. is Lorraine Warren. Yeah, say. say you know that guy who me. killed the guy? Yeah. It was the devil. Okay, now you have a good one. This is Lorraine Warren, by the way. Sorry, did I say that? Yeah. And you'll be hearing from our agents uh, soon. Okay, bye. Now let's get back Chief to the freaky Johnny stuff, Johnny Cakes, baby, listen, it's me. I'm the Laura. I'm the Warrens. <laughs> I'm the Warrens agent. I'm just calling to tell you what an opportunity we have here. I mean, we're, I'm talking T-shirts. I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking. Well, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Shirt, right? I went to Arnie Johnson's demon murder trial, and all I got was this stupid T-shirt. Oh, huh? that's very good. Huh? It's very good. All I, like I that. need okay. from your police mm-hmm. officers mm-hmm. is just maybe like, be like you guys. You know, just you gotta be real. Be like, be like, oh, there, there can't be a demon. You gotta give that pushback for my mm-hmm. for my mm-hmm. clients. Mm-hmm. For Ed and mm-hmm. Lorraine, they're gonna come back mm-hmm. at you. You know what I mean? You think I could get one of those shirts? I think I think we can get you. I think we can get you a shirt. What are you with? Triple X. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll okay. do that then. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, Arnie's lawyer, right? He got calls from all over the world about this, and almost immediately the the media dubbed it the demon murder case. Was his lawyer like a just like a family lawyer? Was it like a court appointed? 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 Um, I. I I'm not sure though. I didn't see okay, details on that. Okay. I, I assume though that he was, he wasn't court appointed, um, so he must have been like a family lawyer or something, something like that. Gotcha. Um, well, also it's a small town. Or so just a local lawyer, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. They had like two lawyers in mm-hmm. there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it seems that after conversations with Arnie, Debbie, and the Warrens, Manella would travel to England to meet with lawyers who had been involved in two similar cases, though neither went to trial. As seen in the film, Arnie's defense team would submit the plea of not guilty by virtue of demonic possession. But unlike the film, the very famous line of The courts have dealt with the existence of God, and now they're going to have to deal with the existence of the devil. 
was actually uttered by Martin Manella to the New York Times in 1981 and not by Ed Warren. Over the course of the trial, the Warrens and Manella were mocked and lambasted by their peers who called them profiteers of tragedy. Mentalist George Krieg, uh, who was, I believe, known as the, uh, what was it, the Amazing Kriegston or something like that, uh, he said this. They have an excellent vaudeville act, a good road show. It's just that this case in more involves clinical psychologists than it does what I call spooky ghosty demon boys. <laughs> Lorraine Warren would tell the Corrent, Me and my husband work closely with church officials and view demonology as the extension, as an extension of theology. It would be defeating our purpose if we did anything deceitful or dishonest. Ching. Again. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that a cash register? <laughs> Ching Cho, let me just I, close This is here, Here's the thing, right? Oh, I do oh, believe... It's so much. It's got so much money in it. I just can't close. Oh, no. And God damn it, Lorraine. Let me do it. God. I do believe that the Warrens genuinely, I think, that they genuinely believed in what they were doing. And to them, they really did think that they were doing this, where they were sort of pushing theology and, and that to do something deceitful would hurt their purpose. I think they believed that. But at the same time, it goes back to the agent thing, right? How yeah. are you going to really set out to do the work? And then, and it, again, I understand, like you said, I understand the people that are like, well, they had to Yeah, eat. well, so I get it, but, too, because it's like on my, you know, it's like, I think it would be very easy as a demon hunter. I think they I think they really did believe. I really mm -hmm. do think they believed yeah. what they were doing. And I think an agent just came up to him one day and was like, you know, yes. you're doing everything right. right. But would it really yeah. be so bad if you just made a little green right. off of I it think too? that's You know what I mean? Because again, in that in that thing that we talked about earlier, it said that it was their agent who was like, Don't worry, we got a book, we got a lecture series, we got this coming yes. out. It didn't it wasn't the Warrens who were like, Don't mm. worry, we've so and that's not and I don't say that to free the Warrens up from no, responsibility right. either. I'm just saying that I don't inherently think mm -hmm. that I don't think they were fraudsters all making right. everything up just mm -hmm. for ever for show. I think they legitimately they believed genuinely believed, stuff, yeah. But that doesn't mean they what they did was right either. Right. So. Um, so as jury selection was set to begin in late October, reporters and believers in the supernatural flocked to Danbury for what was dubbed the Demon Murder Trial. The local Hilton Hotel was completely booked for nights and people worried that the courtroom, which would hold 70 people packed shoulder to shoulder, wouldn't be big enough. Many believed that the plea of demonic possession would be used to prove insanity, but Manella was set on proving the existence of demons and bringing in the priest who exercised David Glatzel. Ed Warren would be quoted as saying, The value of this case is that people who are truly under demonic possession will be able to go into a court of will be able to go into a court of law and have that jury and that judge be much more understanding judge robert callahan would ultimately reject the defense please uh uh the defense's plea arguing that such defense would be impossible to prove and that any testimony on the matter was unscientific and thus irrelevant can I ask real quick, mm -hmm. when was this relating to the Satanic Panic? This would have been right during that time, because Satanic Panic was like it? 1980s, okay. yeah. Well, it's interesting that so many people flock to this. It's like, on one hand, it's like, oh man, we just haven't changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. But also, it's interesting. I, I just want to know if, like, our, you know, what I just, I don't know. Satanic Panic is one of the most interesting. It is, and I was, I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, that, um, yeah. I think that's part of what helped. Brought and and, and, there, and the Warrens yeah. were, you know, active for more than just the '80s. But I think that's part of what also helped them, and mm-hmm. people like them was the Satanic Panic. Um, well, that's fair. Yeah. Prosecutor Walter D. Flanagan and police stuck with their simple explanation that Bono had made an obscene remark about Debbie and Arnie and Bono tussled before Bono was stabbed by Arnie. The case would lose its media luster by the third day as most reporters who came from all over the country to report on the case would leave. (laughs) <laughs> do you think there you know there was a couple that the guy was just like honey this is the case of the century mm-hmm. it's gonna be crazy we gotta get there we're staying there i booked us a week in bar in brookville it's gonna mm-hmm. be great listen i know i know we're not gonna be able to go to the bahamas this year but this is mm-hmm. gonna be our vacation it's yeah. gonna be well worth it mm-hmm. and then just that third day is just like let's get the fuck out of here <laughs> so um can't go to the bahamas anymore for this huh i just Honey, you just gotta wait. I just think it's funny that NBC left. NBC, they're a bunch of liars. Fox is gone. Well, CNN just left. But CNBC, the media is the true enemy of the people, honey. Don't you gotta know that? I I can make you a little drink and put a little umbrella in it, and I can be like whoosh, whoosh, and you'll think you're in the Bahamas. You can do that in this courtroom. You have the. You have a cocktail No, we, we would have to wait until we got back into the hotel room. And that would be in eight hours? Because these are like... Well, maybe ten. I don't know. I think they've got a surprise witness. So it's kind of eating up. I'm I'm taking the children. No. Yeah. <laughs> so the prosecution, um, they, they made There's this... no punchline of that. They got a divorce. They got a divorce, guys. It's not funny. A waitress testified that she had served three carafes of red wine to the two men who were with Deborah Gladsell and other family members at the Mug and Munch Cafe on the afternoon of the stabbing. Don't like that name. But also, don't like that name. these guys just got interesting yeah, guys on wine. Wine sauce? Yeah, that yeah. is weird because in the movie they're like, they're like listening to like heavy rock. Yeah, like but also beers. like, so who are these posh guys living in fucking Brooksfield, Connecticut? Well, I can't, well I mean one was Bono. Well, that's true, right? Bono does strike me as a red yeah. wine guy. I don't know, but it is that is very. I thought that was weird too that they were getting like sloshed on red wine in the middle of yeah. the day. <laughs> what the like, fuck is up with that? Yeah, that's weird. Bono's like, I'm a real man, Arnie. Can I get a, a, a red, please? Do you have um? Ooh, I don't know, uh, Arnie. What are you thinking? Cabernet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you? What about um, a merlot? Ooh, a merlot. And <laughs> fucking. Anyway, like I was saying, Arnie, I'm a badass motherfucker, right? Um. Yeah, so, and then also Mug and Munch. Um, Ugh. I don't, don't like the it. word munch. Munch is kind of iffy, yeah. The Hartford Courant reported uh, that the ambulance driver testified that Glatzel and her father were standing near the body. Glatzel, who appeared distraught and said repeatedly, Oh, Daddy, he didn't mean to. You know how he gets when he's been drinking. The police officer testified that Glatzel's brother, Carl, who will come up again, told him Cheyenne did it, who was Arnie. Um, despite Callahan's banning of the demon defense, Manella attempted to put four priests on the stand. Callahan wouldn't allow it. Ed Warren was relegated to... All right, all right, to- Your Honor. 
I call to the stand Father Ted Johnson. No. Ted, take the... Oh. No. All right. Okay. All right. Hey. Hey. Jeez, I get it. Man. I get it. I get it. I call. I call. Okay. Thank you. To the stand. Mm-hmm. Father Bill Calhoun. Bill, get up. No. There. God damn it. Manila, no. We're not doing the demon okay. defense. We're no. not doing the demon. I'm, I'm sorry. I was confused. I was confused. Okay. So so next, this time, sorry mm-hmm. again. Yeah. I just have to apologize. I call to the stand. Father Tim O'Reilly. Tim, get Son of a bitch, Tell Manila. Him. No. What's wrong? You do it one more time, I swear to God, I'll hold you in contempt of this court. I, Who's your next witness? I call to I call to the stand. I call to the stand. A a father, a father of children. Fred Kennedy. Okay, Fred, Fred come on up. Fred, can I ask you what's your line of work? I'm a yeah, you're right. I think I can actually take this one as his lawyer. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I called him. I'm not his lawyer. I think I can take this one. Fred is mm-hmm. a... He's a... Mm-hmm. Kind of a guru. Mm-hmm. Fred, I like he, the style you've got going on. The black shirt, the black... Or the the white little collar. Where have mm-hmm. I seen that? Where have I, I seen that? I can actually take this one too, Your Honor. I don't mm-hmm. think you need to ask him any questions mm-hmm. right now. I think mm-hmm. I just... Let's just focus the yeah. questions on them. Yeah. Is he is actually from... Have you ever been to Morocco? Get him off the goddamn stand right I'm now, saying, Manila. So he's got two daughters. And he's he got a fucking a- cross around his neck. Uh, is it illegal to be a, to wear a cross? The cross it? says, it's "Big a Dick Father." It's a T. Well, I, that's actually a thing that maybe we should look at later. But he's a father, and he he's the T. That's a T, not a cross. It's a T, and it stands for totally rad dad because he's a dad you son of a bitch manella i think you're so smooth <laughs> god damn you so um he so he wouldn't let him get the four uh priests up there right <laughs> so then ed warren was relegated to being a character witness who took the stand for only a few minutes saying that johnson was quote quiet and considerate and that it is very hard to believe he could have murdered anyone uh, before he then reluctantly stepped down. Uh, also, I just should say that I met him for a total of 15 minutes. <laughs> so, seems like a guy who wouldn't murder a guy. I don't, I don't know. know. I'd have a beer with him. As long as he doesn't have a knife in his pocket. <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, oh, that was, that was in poor taste. Yeah, I understand sorry, that now. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, interestingly enough, the priest who had assisted with David Glatzel's exorcisms and had talked very publicly about their involvement, suddenly only acknowledged that they had helped David through, quote, a difficult time and were reportedly ordered not to speak on the matter publicly. Uh, So this is Reverend uh, uh, Nicholas V. Greico, a diocese uh, spokesman of the local diocese, and this is what he said. No one from the church has said one way or another what was involved. And also, we'll decline to say. We won't. We won't say ever. We won't. <laughs> ask me. You. Ask me. With the press hat. You. Yeah. Uh, what happened? We won't tell you. Oh. It's a secret. Oh, wow. He really meant Uh-oh. that. Okay. 
Johnson. Now we've got a few. <laughs> oh, you'll find out in a few years. <laughs> It'll be a great movie with Mark Ruffalo in it, he said. Mm, uh, yeah. Johnson's lawyers were permitted. I never saw it. I don't know. I heard it was good. What was it called? Spotlight. Ah. Johnson's lawyers were permitted to examine Bono's clothing. The lack of any blood, rips, or tears, they argue, uh, could support the claim of demonic involvement. Okay, so do you know what that's about? Like, it didn't actually have any blood on it? Because that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Um, <laughs> again, you would think that these sources would have delved more into it, but they were all kind of like, isn't that crazy? Anyway. <laughs> um, no, no I don't blood. know. I might... I wonder if maybe it was just... Because, yeah, I mean, I'd they, say that's impossible. Because the, the cuts were... Yeah, he still would have bled because they were under his ribs, most of them. And then there was the one from the base of his stomach to the... From the bottom of his stomach to the base of his heart. So, yeah, you'd think that he would have... I mean, yeah, there's no way there wasn't blood. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. Yeah, but, however, no one in the court was convinced. Um, also, wasn't Arnie found covered in blood? I don't know if he actually was covered in blood. I, I don't okay. know if that's a detail that the movie just added. Added, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, thwarted from using his unprecedented defense, Manella went another route, self-defense. Johnson would testify on his own behalf and say that Bono had started the argument but couldn't remember what had happened afterwards. The state, interestingly enough, never established a motive, with Flanagan simply saying that Arnie, quote, did what he wanted to do when he stabbed Bono. Flanagan's closing argument was that the number... You know, listen, you know, you get late at night, you have a few beers, you do what you want to do. You eat some chicken tenders. Arnie got into an argument, he did what he wanted to do, and stabbed him six times. <laughs> so... Anyway. Right? I'm apparently not that great of a prosecutor, because I didn't even come up with a motive, so... I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm actually getting a call from Los Angeles... They want me to prosecute this new football player, oh, apparently, no. about a murder. Oh, I'm sure it'll go just as well as this one. <laughs> so Flanagan's closing argument was that the number and depth of the wounds showed Arnie intended to kill. After deliberating... <laughs> His closing argument was, look, he was gonna do it. Yeah. He was gonna do what he's gonna do. Yeah, pretty much. You know what they say. They say Arnie Johnson's gonna Arnie Johnson. He's gonna do him. That's what everybody says. Mm. That's what he did. So I don't know. Guilty. Guilty? Guilty? I'm, I'm, I don't know. George, I got this one. Give me give me your tiny <laughs> no, hammer. No, get the fuck Guilty. out. Get, no, get... God damn it. Get, you, you, bang, you banged no, it. No, I didn't. You banged it. God, I, I am it. the judge That's, here. Everybody stop uh, pushing over Tom, me. Tom Flanagan, he bings it, I ding it. <laughs> I'm drunk. <laughs> oh, I'm going to stab the judge. <laughs> after, deliberating, <laughs> after deliberating for 17 hours over three days, the jury convicted Johnson of manslaughter, not murder, on November 24, 1981. One of the jury's last requests was for a transcript of testimony um, of the policeman who found Arnie and had said that he had told them I think I hurt someone. Manella vowed to appeal on the grounds that he was barred from using the demon defense, but never did. Uh, Arnie was given the maximum sentence of 10 to 20 years, but was released early after only serving just over four years at the Connecticut Correctional Institute in Summers. He was 24 when he was released. Manila being like, I swear on my last breath, I'll get this and appeal. And the door's closed, and he's just like, oh, thank fuck, that's over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going home. Going home, I'm, uh... Do you think maybe five years later, he was, like, reading a book, and he was just like, 
Oh no! Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what happened. But yeah, so this is different from the movie because I walked away from the and I knew that we had to do this case when I watched the movie and I walked away and at the end I had the title screen and it said like Arnie was sentenced to only five years of manslaughter or whatever and that's when I was like we got to do a case on this because I'm well, like that, that kind of crazy for I was like because that makes someone it, six times yeah. with witnesses. Yeah, but I was like, the, the the fact that the movie sort of implies that, that the demon defense works, because the movie never says that the demon defense was thrown out. And then well, and then he says point. that he got only five years in, for manslaughter. That's when I was like, we got to do this case, because that's not that can't be exactly what happened. And sure enough, um, mm-hmm. he was sentenced to 10 to 20 years, and he got out early for good behavior, um, and he served just four years. And then he was let out on parole. Um the couple lived in Sherman and had two sons and two grandsons. After being released, uh, Arnie would settle into a quiet life. Uh, Ed Warren would tell the Associated Press uh, at the time he would tell them this. Possession doesn't last 24 hours a day. It comes quickly and leaves quickly. Arnie understands what happened to him. He now knows if something happens, how to ward it off. And he won't be stupid enough to take on the devil again. <laughs> um, Debbie would go on to say that Arnie's mistake was taking on the beast that had possessed her younger brother. She, quote, said, You never take that step. You never challenge the devil. Arnie started showing the same signs my brother did when he was under possession. Manella, who lives in Middlebury, continued to stand by Johnson's case. He would say in an interview that he heard the tapes of David Glatzel speaking the names of 42 demons in Latin and that the Brookfield police chief was going to testify that he saw the child levitate. If you believe in God, you got to believe in the devil. <laughs> That's just the thing I say. Anyway, remember when I said that? <laughs> Copyright, Manila. And what I saw in young Arnie, and Arnie was a young guy, has profoundly affected me for the rest of my life. There's a lot of crazy people out there that have con- contacted me to represent them with the same idea. The devil made me do it. Is that idea? I should clarify. <laughs> but our case was based, in fact, not in fiction. Unlike those other cases of fiction cases, this one was a fact. Was a fact case. Facts. Je- the devil made him do it. Facts. <laughs> Joe Je- Ted Manila. I forgot my Martin first Manila. Name. <laughs> Manila, not Manila. I'm Timmy. I'm Millie Vanilli. <laughs> yes. Here Gerald- to tell you. Good luck. (laughs) Gerald Brittle would go on to publish a book with a contribution of the Warrens on the case called The Devil in Connecticut. And a movie starring Kevin Bacon and Andy Griffith was released based on the case as well, titled The Demon Murder Case. However... Andy Griffith with Kevin Bacon? Yeah, interesting, huh? Andy Griffith from the Andy Griffith Mm -hmm. show? Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen him do, like, serious acting. I don't know. However, the middle Glatzel child, Carl, was not amused. In 2006, when the book was republished, Carl and David sued Brittle and Lorraine, as Ed had actually passed away that same year, alleging that it violated their rights to privacy and it was an intentional affliction of emotional stress. He would take a step further and claim that the whole thing was a hoax concocted by the Warrens who took advantage of his brother's mental health for money. David however, stayed quiet during the whole affair and never publicly said anything about the whole ordeal. Carl would go on to say, quote, 
my brother was never possessed. He, along with my family, was manipulated and exploited, something the Warrens were very good at. And along with their author, Jared Brittle, with his weak-ass bones, they concocted a phony story about demons in an attempt to get rich and famous at our expense. And we have the evidence to prove it. He would say that in an interview. He also asserted that the Warrens told him the story would make the family millionaires and would get Johnson out of jail. According to Carl Glatzel, the, pub the publicity generated by the incident forced him to drop out of school and lose friends and business opportunities. In 2007, he began writing a book titled Alone Through the Valley, about his version of the events surrounding his brother. Lorraine Warren defended her work with the family, saying that six priests who were involved in the incident agreed at the time that the boy was possessed and that the supernatural events she described were real. Brittle. Uh, Miss Lauren, Miss, Miss Warren, Miss Warren, yes. question. How many of those six priests um, molested a child? I, I don't, who? How many of them, though? Well, it just seems like maybe they, if they would be more prone to lying if they were also prone to molesting children. I don't think any so, of them did, so. Are you sure? Yeah, no, there was one that we almost How got, worried? and he did. did you, did you not think about this? And then did you get really worried when I asked this question? Because like, oh shit, they pro they may have actually done that. No, 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 no. There was one that we were gonna get. We had an extra guy, and then he did, but we didn't end up getting him for this case. So we're good. Okay, well, but you're also talking about now priests like they're like actors that you're casting for roles. No, we just were like we might need seven priests, and then they were like, well, we've got six. The other guy's like fifty fifty, and we were like, oh, okay, well that's all right. Uh, Miss Ward over here. Yes. Why do you use priests like dentists are used in gum commercials? Why do you, you shut the fuck up and suck my fucking rich titties, bitch? <laughs> she flipped them off. <laughs> she said that. <laughs> That's a quote. That's crazy. I remember that interview. Lorraine Warren. Brittle, author of The Devil in Connecticut, says he wrote the book because, quote, The family wanted the story Oh. I like that you're doing brittle as a brittle man because his last yeah. name is brittle. It's very good. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I'm, I'm a real king of comedy. <laughs> yeah. He claims that he possesses video of over 100 hours of his interviews with the family and that they signed off on the book as accurate before it went to print. I love how now both sides have been like, we have the proof. Mm -hmm. Except I think. Where, he, where is it? Mm, right. Yeah. We left it in a different <sighs> pair of pants. Yeah. But we've got it. Glatzel's father, Carl Glatzel Sr., denies telling the author that his son was possessed. Conversely, Arnie Johnson and his wife, Debbie, stand by the demon's story wholeheartedly. Well, of Debbie, course they fucking do. He murdered a person. Debbie, who very recently passed away, was involved in the marketing of The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and her interview recounting the exorcism and murder features in the film's featurette. She would state that the Glatzels in question are suing simply for monetary purposes. Carl Glatzel seemingly never came out with his evidence that proved his claims of a hoax, and his case was dismissed by the court. However, the book written by Brittle was taken out of publication because of the lawsuit. Brittle explained this by saying, I did it because I was fed up with the case. Fed up with Carl Glatzel? It's just... It wasn't worth it to me. It had no bearing on the fact that the book was 
true, which that is bullshit, right? I mean, well, he didn't have to. The court dismissed the case, so he didn't have to take it out of publication. He just chose to. He genuinely seems like he was just fed up with Carl Glatzel. But, but if the court, court dismissed it, then there then it would have been over, right? Except Carl Glatzel continued to lambast him in the media, so I guess, I don't know. I don't Did know. Did Carl stop after the book, after nope. he took it out of publication? Nope. He keeps going after this movie. Uh, recently, when this movie came out, I think he's fifty-five right now. When this movie came out, he brought it all up again. I just. Well, anyway. I feel like everybody's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just getting the vibe that they're so, all lying. <clears throat> for those of you who watched *The Devil Made Me Do It*, the parts about a master satanist, a witch totem, and another unsolved murder case were all fictional and created for the film. What we have just told you is the events as they happened and were claimed to have happened with perhaps a few disparities here and there. Because this whole case kind of is he said, she said kind of. And also, don't be that guy that when you watch the movie with people be like, "Mm, actually, this isn't how it happened because we get that movies make things up to be better Right, exactly. If you fucking want things how it happened, read a book written by the person. I don't know. We're not, we're not, we don't, we're not doing this podcast in order to be like, fuck you, The Conjuring. No, that's not, yeah, that's not what we're doing. Yeah. It's an enjoyable movie. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was an enjoyable movie. I like the main Conjuring movies a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're very fun, like you said, and I'm never like, I'm never like, whoa, this is based on a true story. I've got to take this exactly at face value. I'm like, like oh, I'll have I to look up. Like a... Go ahead, sorry, I don't mean to keep talking. When I watch them, I'm like, I'll have to look up what the actual case was, but right. I know that it definitely didn't happen exactly like this. Well, honestly, I think I we like talked the about the con- the first one, I think, yes. in one of our I think legends. I would like them more. If they weren't based on real life, because it's yeah. hard to like them when I don't really like the real life Warrens. Yeah. But I love their movie counterparts. Right. Um, you know so what I mean? So, regardless of whether you believe that Arnie Johnson was possessed or not, or believe in the Warrens as true demonologists, or I said that funny, I meant demonologists, or simple grifters, the or case. Demonologists. Or semen. <laughs> Huh? The case was was still a historic and interesting footnote in the history of the United States legal system as it was the first case within the United States where the defendant claimed not guilty by virtue of demonic possession. It had happened in two other cases at this point, but they were in England. This was the and, first, and I believe, I don't know if it was... it have been accept, accepted, accepted by the court, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. But it is still an interesting little thing, right? Yeah, they got yeah. thrown out almost immediately, but it is interesting that a legal team would try to push the, the defense of, uh, you know, not guilty by virtue of demonic possession. Um, I, mean, I think something I guess, interesting, weird had to happen mm-hmm. for, for a man to stab somebody as right. many times as Arnie did right. in front of people in broad right. daylight and to get off with five, year, five years in prison, that's... Yeah. Pretty impressive, you know yeah. what I mean? I think, and like I said, I'm 50-50 on the Warrens. I do genuinely believe that they and that they believe what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Like, they believed in it. I believe in the paranormal. You know this. Our listeners know this, that I believe in. I don't believe, but I, I, I've said this a thousand times. I don't fully buy into every paranormal case because I think that, of course, I the Grays episode made it sound like I don't believe in science at all. But I do. I do. And, and as I was reading <laughs> this case, I was like, I have to make sure that I remember to... To tell people that I don't just take things at face value. I think this isn't... I don't know. I don't know with this one. I think I lean more towards if it wasn't demonic possession, that there there was something else happening with Arnie Johnson. 
um, yeah. like well, something mental or phys- or psychological. Like the blacking out, I do genuinely believe that he was having these moments where he didn't know what he was doing. Oh, but at the very least, the growling indicates that something else was happening. You know what I mean? Like that's well, a weird thing for a grown man to just growl because it's not like a grunt. The- the quote of Debbie saying, you know how Arnie gets when he drinks. That's the other thing, right? Because he had no past criminal uh, history but at all. Also it's like but it makes like, me wonder. didn't drink mm-hmm. a lot, you know what I mean? It's yeah. Possible, right? It makes me wonder if he ever did anything bad while he was under the influence right. of alcohol. That makes me also, think that he's one of those guys of, that like gets drunk and starts arguing with people or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's the type of town or whatever that especially, mm-hmm. you know, you do something kind of weird, a little shady, it's like people are just going to be like, let's just not talk about that, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't know. And I, it also seems like Bono was kind of a, a shit dick. Right, that's I mean, the thing. In legal I mean, terms, I think he was legal. Grabbing a, a little dick. girl, uh, it's just, it's weird, right? And, right. and, I mean, and maybe know, he I've did seen... say something bad about Debbie and that pushed Arnie over the edge, but... I just think it's yeah. a very interesting case. Um, I, I maybe he was possessed. I'm not completely for me. I can't. I'm not completely r- ruling out that that either him or David were possessed. I think it's interesting. I want to hear what David has to say. You know, because we've heard mm-hmm. what Debbie and Arnie said. We've heard That's what true. his brother Carl says. But David hasn't spoken out and said, you know what? I went and got checked out, and I suffer from this. And as a child, I was suffering from schizophrenia or whatever. So I'm interested to see what he has to say. Until That's then, I say point. it's it's one way or the other, whether what was actually occurring, you know? David, if you want to come on to our podcast. Oh, man. Hey, we'll man, we'll very, tell your story how you want we'll it to be, be told. we very understanding. We'll do whatever you want. Yeah. But I'm excited, though, because this is our first Warren's case, and I want to do, you know, from time yeah. to time, take a look at other Warren's cases. We've wait until we do what The Conjuring have already done and get into their shitty cases that mean nothing and are stupid. Right, you yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, because we've covered The Conjuring Farmhouse, the one from the first one, uh, the mm. pa- the parent family. We, we covered that a little bit, but I'd love to give it a full episode. So and I then we talked about Annabelle again. as well, which I'd also was love to give that a full. Their first, the first movie, was that not supposed to be the Amityville horror? No, they, they it's, it starts it in it. Or there, yeah, there's like no, reference. That's the Annabelle one is what it starts in. Oh, that's right. The second one starts in Amityville. Gotcha. So they didn't do Amityville. They did do Amityville, but they but they haven't in the Conjuring movies yet. Right. Well, but they, they were there. The they they version. the Warrens did go and investigate Amityville, but that but then also right. everybody investigated Amityville. So I thought they were there. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to know. They were the ones who is. captured that infamous photo of the little boy. Who I don't know if it's been debunked or not, but of the little boy around the corner. And like his mm. eyes are kind of like I can't remember if they're black or they're glowing, but it's with it's inside the Amityville house, and that was captured on a Warren investigation. Gotcha. Um, I don't know if it's been debunked. It seems like it would be one that is easily debunked, but I don't know. It's weird that The Conjuring didn't do it yet. I guess it's probably a little overdone, but <laughs> I think that's probably why. Yeah. But anyway, but I, mean, there, I mean, it's fucking. Hey, this also, is an interesting story. Go watch the movie and tell yeah. us what you think. James um, Wan, if you're listening, start directing him again, please. Yeah, I liked this Michael Chavez guy. He's fine. Yeah, but I do really like. I do kind of miss that James Wan quality to it. He just has that thing, man. Mm. Like every, I mean, he like the best um, Fast and Furious movies are his too, yeah. just because like his camera movements and stuff are so interesting. I saw, I he, think I've, I've yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And the Warrens are one of my favorite love stories in 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 like modern cinema. I think they're a very Mm. cute couple in the movies. 
Um, yeah. Modern as in, like, the blockbuster version of cinema. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, it's either um, them or Vin Diesel and, and, and um, Michelle, Michelle Rodriguez. Rodriguez. <laughs> They're the um, two cutest ones in Hollywood right now. I, I think it's interesting that James Wan started the torture porn thing with Gasol mm-hmm. and kind of ended it with The Conjuring 1. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. arguably Insidious may have done it first. But yeah. Also, shout out to Patrick Wilson for He's becoming a Scream awesome. King. Yeah. I like it. You know it. what I mean? He's doing his, like, you know when, like, actresses in, like, the 60s would be like, I'm a horror. Yeah. And just do, like, a horror. Yeah. He's doing that. He's doing like it. That. And it's great. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he was fun. Ocean Man. Too. He was uh, Ocean Master. Ocean Master. I always call him Ocean Man. <laughs> Ocean Man. Ocean Man. <laughs> well, Mason, with that, I think it's time yeah. to wrap the show up. If you like the show, make sure to leave a five-star review, which you can do in-app on Apple Podcasts, Audible, or Podchaser. We'd really appreciate it uh, if you'd leave us a review. Plus, it really helps the show, and we'll read your review on the show. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash captainslogcast and donate a dollar. Anything helps keep the lights on. Another thing you could do to help the show and yourself is go over to TeePublic and shop our merch. Yes, that's right. We have merch. You can get anything from t-shirts to mugs with our logo on it. Remember, if you donate slash support our sponsors, it all goes towards improving the show, getting better recording equipment, etc. Mason, where can the fine listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at Mason Schrader. Um, but you can also find me on Redbubble at Tiny Messiah, where I am selling art and I actually have three new pieces to upload. And they're exciting. I think they're some of my better work, and I'm pretty proud of them. I'm, so I'm going to definitely order some when I get my yeah. new place. I'll We've got put some Mason Schrader originals up on my walls. We'll have the fly balls. Um, we'll have the creeps. I've started making fake bands. Oh, very good. To make merch for, and it's kind of fun. So I like it. Yeah. Well, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at j.valle underscore junior, and the show on Twitter at Instagram. Uh, the, the show on Twitter and Instagram at Captain's Log Pod. Uh, we recommend. We actually got at Instagram <laughs> on Twitter. It's crazy. It's crazy. We recommend various different materials on there and post show updates and post some occasionally funny things. So go check it out. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can find me as Jose Valle Jr., Animal Productions, and of course, the show's official YouTube channel, Captain's Log, which. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, we have gotten 100% caught up. All Yay. the videos from all the episodes are up there. Go check out our, our cool little intro that we did with our new theme. Yeah. Um, if you can't get enough of me, you can also listen to my other podcast with Friend of the Log, Max Benyon, called Max and Jose Have Something to Say. And be on the lookout for Corn Fed Iowa when that comes out as well. Yes. Make sure to tell your friends. And fam- also, yes. sorry, I just want to give out a shout out to our friend Wade, who I learned listens to the podcast. Oh, awesome. That's awesome. Hi, I'm glad to hear that. Hey, Wade. We'll see if you listen to the outro or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you do, good. is that you playing Call of Duty? Good luck. Uh-oh, look out oh, no. there. Look out behind you. Yeah. Ah. Oh, you're dead Good now. or bad job, Wade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure to tell your friends and family about the show if you enjoy it, and if you'd like to share your opinion on this case, the film, or the Warrens in general, please do so by writing in to Captain's Log Cast 
at gmail.com. You can also suggest episode topics, guests you'd like to have back, etc. Make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and any other podcast directory. Thank you to Carlos Rivera for composing our new show's theme, which I fucking love. Uh, It's great. I love it. And with that, everybody, we have reached the end of our show. We will see you soon for another special episode. I've been your captain, Jose Valle Jr., joined by... First Officer Mason Duncan on DeBunkers, Schrader. And this has been Captain's Log. End of transmission.